0: for students. And uh, and we quickly fell in love with these guys. And the Lord has just kind of crossed our paths over the last few years in a number of ways. Uh, we were able to go out to uh, Boulder City a couple of years ago, about what, two and a half years ago now, when they were installed at the church there as senior pastors. We took a Sunday and drove out, and we were there for that. And uh, and we, Kevin and I, were uh, roommates in Israel last year. We got to travel together to Israel and we connected conferences and and, uh, and different meetings that we're able to be at. And we always just love spending time with each other. But more than that, God has seemingly had us on a similar journey uh, in, re- in regards to our relationship with Him uh, and understanding the depths of God's love. And so it's always fun when we get together because we get to compare notes and, and just share about what what God is speaking and understanding. You know, ministry is an interesting thing. Being a pastor is you can get really caught up in the performance part of it and start, val- start measuring your value and your worth based on how many people are showing up in service or how much tithe is being given or Whatever, and then you look at your friends, and it can get, it can be kind of daunting, and, and so I'm thankful for friends like Kevin and Brenda, because we help keep each other grounded and, and remind each other of what's really important, and so uh, as we're continuing the series, The Prosperous Soul, uh, I'd ask Kevin if he would come and speak. Uh, they're in a season of transition, and they've had uh, some detours over the last year, We called detours. Um, a lot bigger than detours, though, and so they're in a season of transition, and so as I was preparing for this series, I thought, you know, Kevin would be a great voice to come and share what God's doing in his life and the things that he's been learning, and so uh, with that in mind, would you please welcome Pastor Kevin Dolby and uh, say welcome to Brenda as well. It's good to have you guys with us this morning.
1: Barry's kept me grounded pretty well. Praise the Lord. Um, Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Good morning. Come on, one more time. Good morning, Thrive Church. Good morning. Now for the introverts. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Any introverts in the house? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. What an honor it is to be here this morning. And uh, um, man, when Barry called me, I'm like, that's it, man. I'm, I'm all about that. So, so, so as Barry was saying, we have known uh, Barry and Megan for uh, over 20 years, and they're that, they're that couple that every time we get together, it's like we had never been apart, right? We just kind of get right back to where we were, and we're talking about the same things that we talk about, and we're hanging out, and we're comfortable with one another. How many of you guys have somebody like that in your life? You need someone like that in your life. It's a good thing. So um, as, as we uh, came to know each other at Camp Cedar Crest, we, we began to do what all young couples do. Uh, we decided that our children were going to marry each other. <laughs> but it, it didn't happen. So um, yet, I don't know. I don't know. Man. Our daughter's like, whoa, dude, no way. So I, we, we, have, we have three children. Help me with their ages, Brenda. Twenty- 7, 25, and 20, almost 21. Can you believe that? And I look so young, right? When, when, we, when we started hanging out, we both had a little more hair. and uh, Yeah, so anyway, God is good, and, and we're, um, we're very excited about the journey that we're on, and uh, we are on a journey. Uh, a little bit about Brenda and myself. Uh, Brenda and I met when we were 15 years old. Uh, We met at the Florence Avenue Foursquare Church Youth Group. Our youth pastor was Mark Wilson. The senior pastor at the time was Paul Risser, uh, who Barry ended up working for for a season, and then Terry Risser. Um, uh, I grew up in Santa Fe Springs. Brenda grew up in Downey. Uh, I went to uh, Downey High School. She went to Warren High School. They They were rival high schools. We love to talk about that. And how I think our football team beat your football team our senior year. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But we'll talk about that later. Um, is the football rivalry a thing here still? Like, is it a big yeah. big deal? Okay, yeah, so. good, 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 good. So we go way back. Um, we've got a long journey together. We were married at 18 years old. Uh, we started having children right away, as you can tell by their ages. And uh, God has taken us on this crazy ride. Uh, Our first ministry as youth pastors was in Boulder City, Nevada, and uh, we started serving there in 1997 after I graduated from Bible College, and then we left there and we came back. And we left there, and we came back. We were invited back a couple times. The senior pastor was was, uh, getting older and older and was thinking about transition, and and, uh, she invited us back to transition a couple different times, and then then she felt like the Lord wanted her to continue, and so uh, about three years ago, uh, she came to us, and she said that she was ready to retire, and so so, uh, through all that journey, we ended up being the senior pastors in Boulder City, Nevada, and that's what Barry was talking about. For the installation. So, I'm gonna get into a little bit more about, about the, the, the new season that we're in, but to, to, to kind of wet your whistle for it, uh, Brenda and I have had a crazy last about seven months. We had a great year, uh, 2017, and we were excited for 2018. Uh, God was moving, we had a great November, December at the church, and then, so we went to Disneyland to celebrate what God was doing, amen, right, who doesn't do that? So we were at Disneyland, and I began to feel funny, and I began to have shortness of breath and all kinds of weird things, and then about a week later, I was found myself in a hospital, um, and I have what's called cardiomyopathy, it's an enlarged heart, it doesn't have anything to do with my arteries being clogged, it just, my heart was enlarged, a virus attacked my heart. And enlarged my heart, and my heart now, as we're here, is producing about fifty percent less than your heart is producing. Unless you have cardiomyopathy, then we should get together and talk. But my heart's producing about twenty, about fifty percent less than your heart. Uh, But you know what? We're not wearing that diagnosis. Amen. Amen. So God has changed some things. We resigned our church about a month ago. The new pastor is being announced this morning. Probably about a half an hour ago was she was announced. And we're very excited about what God is doing, and we get to be here with you guys this morning and share the journey that we're on. So whew, it feels good to just say it, right? Just How many, how many of you guys have, have gone through some things, and it just feels good to just say it? This is what I'm going through. It's very important to do that. Let's pray and ask God to come and minister to us. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy and your love and your truth, Lord, we we rest in you. We know that you are a God who who loves us and you bring things for our good. Lord God, you allow things for our good. And Lord, what the enemy means for evil, you will turn for good every time. Lord, we're called according to your good purposes. And Lord, may we hear what you would have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So a few things that I, I like to say before I even get started on what uh, I feel the Lord has for us as a church, but there's always a few things that I want to say, and I say this every time when I get to guest speak, are, are these things. Are you ready? You ready? You, who wants to write them down? You can write them down if you want. They're good, they're good things. I feel like the Lord has blessed me with them. Number one, we are all on a journey. Amen? We're all on a journey. I heard recently that really our lives are all about walking each other home right? Think about that. Nobody has reached the destination. Nobody has. So if you think you've reached the destination, you're wrong. Nobody's reached the destination. We are all broken in different ways, but every one of us is broken, Imagine two boats or ships in a harbor, and one has a, a hole in, in the bottom of the boat that's about this big, and another one has a hole in the bottom of a boat that's maybe about this big, and then the two groups were arguing about who was better. You're both sinking, amen? We're so quick to point out other people's issues, but we're all sinking, amen? We're all broken, but in a different way. Our life in Christ is a doctor's prescription, not a job description. Our life in Christ is a doctor's prescription. And I've got a whole bunch of prescriptions right now. I'm taking about five different medications, a couple different supplements. And when that doctor writes out that prescription, I'm praying and believing that he's gone to medical school and he knows exactly what that medication is going to do. And when he hands me that, and when I go to the pharmacist and I turn that thing in and I begin to take that medication, the right things are going to happen. And that's what's happened. I'm I'm not really feeling a lot of symptoms these days because that medication is helping me and the great physician, amen? But here's the thing so many of us treat this Christian walk as a job description when God says, just fill it, man. Just fill it. God's purpose is the same as it's always been relationships. He's relational. And we are created for relationships. We are created for relationships. And isn't it fascinating that that's where most of the attacks come from in our life, in the area of relationships? The very thing that we were created for is the area that the enemy likes to attack us. He attacks us in the relationships we have with spiritual leaders. He attacks us in the relationships we have with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, the spirit of offense. All these different things come up, and these relationships begin to come under attack. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and about the relationship that we have developed with God over the last couple of years, the things that have changed, the priorities that have changed in our life that God has begun to speak to us about and how our lives have begun to change because we see things in a different way. Our painful experiences often come from relationship strain, right? And our painful experiences... If we're if we're really honest with ourselves, are not a curse; they're a gift from God. I mean, imagine yourself thinking about all of the painful experiences that you've been through, whether they're relational or not. Thinking about the verse in the Bible that says, "Count it all joy," right? Count it all joy. The car is not running. <laughs> Praise the Lord. On our way down here, we're getting off the freeway at the agriculture inspection. You can just go right around that thing now. I don't know if you knew that, but you can get off free and go around it. You don't even have to, mm-hmm. you just go around it. So we got off the freeway and we're driving over the bridge and our car goes, they sound like bricks in a dryer. I'm like, oh no. And I tell you what, we didn't do. Praise the Lord. We're so joyful. like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us, because we're halfway between there and here, so we nursed it here, and I'm so grateful for your pastor, who's also a great mechanic, praise the Lord for that, but how many of you had a situation just this week that just caught you off guard, and it was a very painful experience, like, uh, and your first reaction wasn't praise the Lord, your first reaction was, oh, God, help me, save me, right, but I as, as we think about those things and as we're in those situations, we understand that those situations give us perspective. Those situations give us meaning and opportunity to find our unique purpose and our strength. As, as we were up at camp, they had a panel and they were talking to the kids about trials. And of course, the question comes up, if, if God is real, then why do we go through so many difficult things? And what I have learned through these 20 plus years, 20 some years of ministry is that God takes the things that break us the most. And if we would just tune into him, he uses those things to give us the perspective we need to go to new levels, to go to new levels in life, not to say, Hey, look at me. I leveled up, but to say, Hey, look at me. Let me help you. Amen. Let me help you. God wants to use those levels for us to serve one another, but we get so frustrated in them. I'm, I'm a gamer from way in the way back in the day. How many are OG gamers? Mario. Come on, okay, Mario Brothers. I'm talking Pong. I'm talking Night Driver. Any Pong, Night Driver OG <laughs> gamers? Okay. So as games progress over the years, they get a little bit harder and the graphics get a little bit better. Um, but one of the things that I don't know if you uh, have a frustration with it, but when you're on a level, and you're, you're starting out, and you, you go into the video game, and you make a right, and you get shot, or, or your, your character gets shot, or whatever happens, and and you, you regenerate, and then you come out again, and you go right, and it happens again, and you come out again, and you go right, and it happens again, and it's just, you start to throw the controller, and then, okay, I'm going to go left, and then it happens again. You're like, what is the formula? And so then we begin to try to think about our life in that way. And we, we, we come out of the gate, and we go a certain way, and then things happen, and then we go that way again, and we go that way again, and we go that way again. And God's like, how many times are you going to go that way? It's not working for you. Maybe go this way. But until we get to that place where God gives us that perspective, and he says, listen to me, and I will guide you through this, and we will get through this together. Amen? We'll get through this together. So that's what he means by counting it all joy. And so one of the things that we talk about, I guess you guys are getting ready to relaunch Emotionally Healthy Spirituality here in a few weeks or in the fall, I think, coming up. We're very excited about that. But one of the things that Emotionally Healthy Spirituality talks about is hitting a wall. And I have, and my wife and I have, hit a wall. We hit a wall about six months ago. I explained it to you what it was, but we, we, we ran smack dab into this wall. What is a wall? A wall. A wall is not an inconvenience. A wall is not the, the, the drivetrain clamp or whatever it is falling off the car. That's, that's an inconvenience. A wall is not a small frustration. Uh, a wall is not a bothersome, time-consuming issue. But how many know that, that those things can, can minister to us as well, right? God's perfecting patience in us. Just the other day, I need to get my car smog checked, and I drove it probably 500 miles after the engine light was turned off. I took it back. It hasn't completed all the tests. How long does it take to complete the test? Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> patience. And you find yourself angry about silly things, right? It's like,
0: oh,
1: thank you, Jesus. What is the wall, though? The wall is a crisis, and in the moment, it seems insurmountable. We've all been there, or we've all known somebody who's been there. Most people, when they hit a wall, they they live the rest of their life at the wall. They stand in front of the wall, and they look up, and they look to the side, and they look left and right, and they say, I guess this is just my life. God allowed this to happen to me for a reason, and so this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And maybe some of us will turn around at the wall and say, don't come this way to other people in a sort of a panicked way. Or when people come and they say, what's happening? Oh, this is the wall that I live at, and it's just my life. How many have heard someone say this? "This It's just my lot in life. It's just the life that I've been cursed to live. And we stay there and we're miserable there. Maybe we find a little bit of joy in it and we say, we're suffering for Jesus, right? This is the wall we're going to suffer at for the rest of our lives and praise the Lord. He's using it. But how many know that there's life behind the, beyond the wall? There are some, there's something else beyond the wall. But at the wall, we tend to blame ourselves. What have I done? What sin have I committed that this wall is in front of me right now? Come on, who would be honest and say, you thought that? What did I do wrong? Some of us blame God. I thought God was so kind and loving. This does not feel like God is being kind and loving. Some of us blame church. I've been so faithful there. Why am I at this particular place in my life? Why don't they trust me? Why don't, why does it, why don't things get better? What, what, we just need to leave, right? We blame church. We blame church leaders. Our foundation is shaken. There's often more questions than answers, and we're stuck with this, with this thought of how long will this last? So some characteristics of a wall could be a relationship implosion, maybe a marriage that's dissolving after many years, Maybe children who are running away from relationship with you, maybe a a, a parent situation, moral failure is considered a wall, a vocational catastrophe, maybe you've put in 20 years at the same place and all of a sudden downsizing comes and, and you're put out on the streets without a pension and without anything and you get a jelly of the month club subscription. Or maybe a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Or a confirmation of things that you've been feeling. Almost always, the wall includes a crisis of belief. And I can stand before you right now this morning and tell you that even being a pastor for 20 years, someone who has walked by faith, when when a diagnosis was confirmed in us, we went through every one of those thoughts. What is happening? Why us? What is God's purpose? Why would he do this? Why would he allow this? What's gonna happen to us? Are we gonna even, am I even gonna live? You hear things like, oh, 50% of the people who get what you get, they die within the first three years. What? Are you kidding me? I was just in Israel with my buddy, Barry. And I got the dirt, y'all, believe me. Me and Megan got the dirt. I lived with that guy for two weeks. So it's a little fundraiser I'll do later if if you want some information. But here's what it boils down to. My will versus God's will. And it takes a while to get to that place, it's, it's, it's great when you have people in your life who can help you get to that place. Our dear friends Pat and Mindy Crowder are here this morning and, and uh, they helped us get to that place through asking lots of questions and listening really well and being empathetic and loving. But it all boils down to my will versus God's will and here's what we discovered Here's what we discovered in this whole process that started the beginning of the healing and the reconciliation in our spirit. When we heard God say this, Kevin, Brenda, are you willing to give up power and control? Are you willing to give up your destiny that maybe you feel that you are entitled to? Are you willing to give up the dream that I, plant, that I planted in your heart 20 years ago? Are you willing to go in a different direction without any idea of where that direction may lead you, only knowing that I will lead you there? And I got to tell you, at first it was, hmm, I'm not sure. Matter of fact, mm, I don't think so. Maybe. Give me some time. Let me think about it. When I was a young man, um, my, my dad came back into our life. Uh, my parents got divorced, and then my dad came back into my life. And I was pretty mad at my dad when he came back into my life. And um, so when we were all back living together, um, we had some discipline issues. Can I get an Amen. And uh, so I remember standing on my front on our front porch, and my dad said, okay, it's summertime, I'm going to work, I got some jobs for you to do, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, I want you to do this. And I said, this is true, guys. My dad would back this up. I said, Dad, I really don't feel like doing those things today. I want to play my video games, and um, so there we go. And he said, my dad said, son, we can do this the easy way, finish it for me right? And this is what I said back to him. Hey, Dad, why don't we try the hard way for a little while, see how that goes, and then we can change it to the easy way. And he said, okay. So that afternoon, some men from his work pulled up with some untreated telephone poles, and they took them all in the backyard, and they began to cut them into pieces and uh, they, they laid a nice shiny axe and some wedges and some, some sledgehammers there uh, on, the, on the, the wood. And I wonder what that was all about. My dad came home and he said, I'd like to show you how to chop wood, son. <laughs> and so I spent that summer learning how to chop wood and chopping wood for the entire winter. We didn't have a heater in our house. We just had a fireplace. And, uh, and I just remember um, how grateful I was that I was spending time with my dad, Right? How grateful I was that he was teaching me something and not yelling at me for the first time. And so God can use us in our frustration. God can bring peace into our frustrating way of feeling about things. So when you say to God, let's try the hard way for a little while, God, he says, okay. But then he brings his love and compassion in the discipline that comes with him. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because he speaks in that. So God is asking you to let go. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this in the ESV. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. For all your, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Our wall has been difficult. Our wall has been painful. Our wall has been confusing but God is using it to do something new in our lives. Yeah, we resigned our church. Yes, they're moving on in Boulder City without us, but there's new things that are happening. There's new recognitions. There's things that we weren't even expecting that God is bringing our way, and I'd love to be able to share those things with you, but they haven't been made public yet. But just know that God has been speaking to our hearts, and he's been speaking to the hearts of those around us, and we have a new season that's coming, and we're so excited about it. Six months ago, we thought I might die. And now we're stepping into a new season that has so much that we don't even know is going to happen, but we know that it's filled with joy. So rejoice with us in that, and we're so excited about that. But here's what I learned. Here are the things that I learned about the wall. God is present at the wall. As you're standing in front of the wall and you feel alone, and you feel abandoned. And you feel frustrated. Am I speaking to someone? Can you all relate with what I'm talking about? Yes. And you're standing there, and you feel like you don't have a friend in the world. You feel like no one understands what you're going through. And you know what? Most people don't understand what you're going through. That, that's a reality. I love those people that say, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. Oh, I know exactly what you're going through. I don't think you do. No, no, yeah, I do. Okay, I give up. But as you're standing at that wall, I can promise you this. God is standing there with you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And one of the things that our previous pastor in Boulder City said one day, she just said it kind of flippantly in a sermon, and I'm like, what did she just say? Wow. She said, how many of you have had the teacher be silent when you're taking a test? Wow. That just makes so much sense. I mean, how dumb would it be if the teacher came over and goes, okay, so the answer number six is, to t- 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 yeah. so then the answer number seven, and yeah. he's silent, but we know that he's there, amen? Number two, God provides at the wall. His provision is available at the wall, but so often we stand at the wall and we stand like this, God, I'm so upset about what you've taken away from me. God, I'm so upset about what I don't have. I'm so upset about what I could have had. And our lives are being lived like this with closed fists. And if you sit with closed fists, you cannot receive anything that's being given to you. And so something that we've done, my wife and I, from the beginning as we began our ministry in Boulder City, we said this from the platform day one. We will live And we will pastor this church with open hands. Because open hands are able to receive something new. We will not live with closed fists. And I believe that because we chose to live with open hands, God knew it was safe to move in and take away the things that he had given. And that we would be okay. So maybe you're struggling this morning. You're at a wall. Just unclench your fists. Amen? And say, God, fill this. But the great thing about living with open hands is sometimes things land in your hands and sometimes they slide off. But it's okay because more's coming. Because God is faithful. Number three. Number three. Number three. <laughs> God always plans beyond the wall. There is a plan beyond the wall. You may not see it, you may not know it, you may not understand it, you may not know why he would even bother to plan beyond the wall because everything on the other side of the wall was just fine. We were fine on the other side of the wall. Why do we want to go to the other side of the wall? I don't know. Why don't you just be quiet and listen and I'll take you to the other side of the wall, but I don't want to go to the other side of the wall. God says, I want you on the other side of the wall. He has a plan beyond the wall. And number four, God uses the wall so we will remember how he provides and fills his promises. So what do you do in times like this? How do you operate in confusing times? Before my wife and I took the pastorate in Boulder City, we knew that God needed to give us a fresh understanding of just life. And so, how many of you have actually read the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the thing that you're getting ready to undertake here? So we were reading that book and we were taking it in, and we're saying, God, there's so many things that need to change in our life as we start this journey of pastoring. We don't want to end up like other pastors we've seen or other leaders we've seen, burnt out and frustrated and angry, and all of these things that happen. Sometimes you don't see that side of, of pastoring because you're there and we're here. And so there's lots of things that come up. And so God, we really want to know how to walk through this. And so when all this occurred, and other issues too, other issues have... How many know that there were other issues in our time of pastoring that were difficult? <laughs> Barry, can you identify? Okay. So there are other things in our time of pastoring that were difficult. But here are the four ways that once you get past the shock... Once you get past the the craziness, here's the things, here are the things that get you through. How many would be bold enough to say, I'm at a wall right now? Anybody? Yeah, there's a couple of you. I'm at a wall right now. Here's how we operate, or here is a way to operate in confusing times. Number one, we're anchored in Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul and hope that a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I have a behind the curtain in my home. It's my inner sanctum. And it's where I'm honest with myself. And then when I'm anchored in Jesus, God is welcome there. And he's welcome to say the things that I need to hear. When I was in the Navy, I joined the Navy for a little while. When I was a young man, and we got married, and I I joined the Navy, got married. We were deployed to the the East Coast, and I was in the first Gulf War. I was in the Persian Gulf on an aircraft carrier, and when all of the fighting was over, we started to go on liberty. We started to hit ports, and so I remember being in port, and off the back of the aircraft carrier is this big floating box, and then this little tiny Liberty boat would, would come up to it. Um, not like you'd see in like an old movie. Like it was an actual nice boat with rails and things like that. And so we would get onto the floating box and then we would step onto the Liberty boat. And the ship seemingly was standing, just sitting still. It was anchored. There was an anchor on the front, an anchor in the back, and it wasn't even moving. It was this gigantic ship. But that little box in the back was like, and you're like, oh. And you're stepping onto the, the Liberty boat. And sometimes it's, 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 it's good to be reminded that even though you're going through all of this, right? Even though you're going through all of this, you're anchored, right? You're anchored to the ship, and it's safe. And there's something good about, too. I remember one time I was on, on Liberty, and, and I had lost my way. And then my friends, I lost my friends. And so I'm walking in this foreign country. I didn't know where I was. And I went, walked up to somebody, and I said, uh, ship? Ship? And they said, oh, yeah, ship. And they pointed, and I started walking in the direction. And then about, I don't know, three, four miles walking, I began to see the ship in the distance. And there's the anchor in the front and the anchor in the back. And there's something very comforting knowing I'm going to be okay because it's anchored and I'm going there. That's how God wants us to look at our life with him. Number two, we've paid attention to our anger and our sadness and our fear. We paid attention to those things. Avoiding pain, sadness, and fear is actually taught us healthy in many congregations, in many churches. We use scripture. Sorry, I'm having some alerts here. My heart is getting elevated. Praise the Lord. <laughs> We've paid attention to our anger, sadness, and fear. Churches teach that sadness, anger, and fear are, 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 are not things that we should listen to. We use scriptures like Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it, which is true. We use verses like Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. But how many have had somebody say to you when you're anxious, don't be anxious, and you go, oh, you fixed it.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank you. I forgot. How many know that that is not what you need to hear when you're feeling anxiety? And so I began to understand that in the feeling of these emotions, God began to paint a bigger picture of what I was going through. He began to show me the beginning from the end. And I also discovered that you can feel the emotion of anxiety without being anxiety. You can feel the emotion of anger without being anger. You can feel the emotion of sadness without being sadness. I'll take you to the movie. um, What's the movie? We just Inside Out Out? and sadness. (sighs) She's great, but she's sadness. How many of you guys know a sadness? And you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of us know somebody who just is sadness? like Eeyore. Uh-huh. It's so great that that's happening in your life. Yeah, but God's probably going to take it away. Yeah. Right? Or, or know somebody that's anger. My father has taken himself on a journey of being anger, anger to occasionally being angry. And, and, and I've been on my own journey of being anger and occasionally being angry. How many maybe can identify and say, I am anger? And know the difference that you can feel anger and not be anger. You can feel the emotion of fear. Let me say that to you because I'm in a church, right? This is a church, right? Are we in a church? You can feel the emotion of fear and not be fear. So we gave ourselves permission to feel anger, sadness, and fear, and God began to move in those things. I'm so sorry, Brenda. Brenda's having to deal with something. Off, okay. I have have all kinds of monitors on my watch that tell me when when things are, okay, you're getting emotional, so I'm going to bring it down. Number three, we received limits as a gift. We are not supermen and women. You are not supermen and women. God has not called you to do everything. Jesus Himself didn't heal every person who, who was in the community that needed healing. Jesus Himself disappointed a lot of people because he was doing what God called him to do, and he went where the Father told him to go, and he did what the Father told him to go to do. And people were disappointed in the process. You may have to disappoint some people in embracing your limits. When we told our congregation that we'd no longer be the pastors, they were devastated. We loved them. They loved us. It was very difficult. But I knew that if I stayed under the stress and the burden of pastoring a young, new, emerging church, because the transition was a 50-year transition, the pastor had been there for 50 years, I knew if we'd stay... I probably would be dead today, and it disappointed people, but we receive that limit as a gift. Number four, and this has been the hardest one, we've embraced endings and losses as a fundamental way in which God works. Listen to that. We've embraced endings and losses as a fundamental way in which God works. John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And I'm going to close with this. When when my wife and I moved to Durango, Colorado years ago to be youth pastors, we had no idea of the level of snow that was coming our way. <laughs> How many of you have ever lived in a climate like that? And so we got there and the first year uh, I, I don't want to exaggerate, but I remember there was somewhere in the neighborhood of five to six feet of snow in our front yard. And it happened over like a week's period of time. We have pictures of our kids digging these giant holes and like putting faceplate and looking into the front door from, from the snow. We're like, oh my gosh, our car would get stuck everywhere. We had a rear-wheel drive car. We just were not prepared. We were putting giant boxes of heavy things in the back of our vehicle just to make it around town. We got stuck in the Sonic (laughs) drive-in. We just wanted a Diet Coke. And we're stuck over the, the curb. And so the level of snow was unbelievable. And so I began to complain. I began to say, this place is terrible, this snow is awful, and then, of course, I began to say things to friends and began to, to maybe complain on social media, and there was, a, there was a faction of people who rose up, and, and we like to call them the moisture crowd, the, the moisture crowd, and they would always have this answer, stop complaining, we need the moisture, and I'm like, I don't need any more moisture, I've got plenty. I don't need any more. And so the summer came, and it was a green, lush summer, and things were great. And I'm like, okay, Durango is great. We love this place. Then the following year came, and it was a light winter. And we were, were like, okay, we can handle this. We can do this. It wasn't a lot of snow. We figured it out. And then the summer came, and then the dry came, and then the fires came, and then the floods came. And we're like, we get it. We get the moisture. We're so sorry for being angry with you about telling us we need moisture. We get it. Just recently, there's the 416 fire. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but my sons live in Durango. And, and it's, I mean, it was getting close to Durango. It was like like five, six miles outside of Durango. And it threatened homes and people that we knew. And, and so it's very dangerous. And so I began to think about how that equates to our life. And how we get so frustrated in the deep, Loss of winter, we get so mad in the the things that be, that are taken away from us and the things that we have to endure in the sufferings of deep winter times in our lives. But as we hold fast to what God has for us as we 're anchored in him as we as we begin to embrace all the things that he has in that time of loss and suffering, we then get to enter into a season where green pastures begin to emerge, and life begins to take form, and we get to see, God, you were really up to something. How great is it to see where we were and where we are and where we're going? So it's changed our perspective on the hard winter, and we really have gotten to a place where we say, Jesus, we're willing for a little more. We understand that you work in suffering, and whatever you have for us, we're ready for it, and we're willing to embrace it. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're frustrated with the the life that you're in right now, and you feel void. You hear voices around you, voices that are reminiscent of the voices that spoke to Job. You know, curse God and die. Why don't you just? Forget it all. Just run away from it. Give me a break. You're you're in pain. But there's this still small voice, that voice that speaks to the introvert in us and says, it's okay. I know it's hard. I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. But I have a plan for you. I have life for you. I care for you. And I'm here for you. And if you listen hard enough, if you press in enough, how many know that you can't hear God's voice when you're in a hurry? How many hear the voice of God when you are screaming down the 210? I got to get to where I'm going. I was so grateful for your prayer this morning. Slowing down. Because that's a fundamental part of what this is all about. Slowing down to hear the voice of God. When we were in Israel, we noticed that there were all kinds of, of, of the guys dressed in all the Jewish garb. And they were running around. They were just, oh, I got to get to this place. Got to get to that place. And I'm like, where are they going? They're going to hear the voice of God. I don't think they're going to hear it. <laughs> Would you join me this morning in just saying, God, I want to slow down and hear your voice. How about, Lord, I forgive you for the things that I feel like you've made me go through. Lord, I'm ready to receive what it is that you have for me. I want to hear your voice. And I don't know how you work it here, but I'm just going to pray a prayer. And and as the Lord leads, we can respond to Jesus in that way. Because I believe that God's going to set some people free this morning from the burden of feeling like God has forgotten about you. So, Lord, we thank you for what you do. You're a good, good father. You care for us. You are with us. You love us. And, Lord, most of all, you hurt with us. You feel the pain that we feel. So, God, we ask you this morning with all of our heart to simply remind us that you are there, that you care, that we would respond to you in a way that says, Lord, we trust you regardless of the circumstances, and we believe that your ways are higher, and that we're anchored in you, and that you will take care of what needs to be taken care of. And Lord, we look with anticipation beyond this wall for the life that you said would be abundant. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.